the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. And uh, please, of course, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily wink, uh, the daily email that goes out every morning, 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time, as well as all the um, great uh, segments we're doing uh, are posted over there. We have a great segment coming up um, a, a very interesting uh, experience um, now that people are being targeted in their private workplace for doing their job and then having an opinion outside of work. And so we have a situ- we have a, a, a case. Uh, Greg Crable is his name. We'll talk with him as well as we'll talk with the uh, Center for Individual Rights uh, President Terry Pell about their challenging because Greg Crable had a podcast. Off hours, his employer knew about it, and he had some opinions that were more conservative than liberal. And one of his uh, fellow employees complained, and the fellow employee complained, and he got fired. This guy got fired, Greg Crable. So we'll talk with him about that. You know, I've talked so much about the narrative machine, big government, big, uh, excuse me, big government, big media. Gosh, darn it. Big media, big tech, and big government working together. But the one of the keys there is big government, because that's really an outrage. In this case, it's private business. And a lot of times people, conservatives say, well, let the market do what it's going to do. And the Center for Individual Rights is suing because it's overstepping here, the, 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 the uh, employer. So we'll talk about that. And I think more and more people feel they are targeted or they feel like they could be. And so they're changing behavior. As I've said over and over again, the great threat is not censorship, although that is a threat. It's self-censorship. You start to say less. You start to not say things because you're afraid of the impact of saying them. And it's uh, an essay, The Power of the Powerless, uh, by uh, Valak Havel, the uh, former Czech Republic president, uh, playwright and all. So we'll also talk with Ted Malik. He's got a piece at uh, American Greatness called CNN, The Future of Fake News. He actually worked at CNN, or that's not fair. He worked with Ted Turner, I don't know, 30 years, 30 plus years ago to get CNN going. So he's got a perspective on that, and we will uh, talk to him about that and see what he has to say. But first, let's talk about uh, what's happening in this uh, country in terms of leadership, in terms of leadership. And what I want to say here is it's almost it's almost shocking. It is shocking to see Governor Glenn Youngkin and Attorney General Jason Mieres in Virginia actually doing stuff every single day. They're getting rid of mask mandates. They're firing uh, liberals who have gotten to positions, key positions in the attorney general's office. They're putting people in positions. And I have to say, I live now in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And so it's it's almost disorienting to see a politician actually do the stuff he said he was going to do. And I, I want to contrast this with what I think is the problem of leadership right now. Far too many people 
are frozen. I was saying, you know, my, my son, uh, I think, maybe my daughter, somebody's taking physics in my house, and there's that phrase, um, a body at rest stays at rest. You know, a body in motion stays in motion. There's this notion of, I guess, inertia and momentum. And it feels like a lot of people, a lot of conservatives, are at rest, not moving, and they're not moving. They're not acting. And so I had lunch today with my friend Joe Johnston, the uh, the author, and uh, he, of course, uh, written has written a book called The Decline of Nations uh, by Re- Republic Book Publishers, and he's a great, wise man. And we we're talking about this, and he, he was saying to me, the failure of leadership is the problem in the country, and that he said you, you, his challenge is that you have to take back the leadership positions at every level. And so you're seeing that now. Now, I, I want to be careful. You're seeing it in like Loudoun County, but he was he was recounting Loudoun County, Virginia. He was recounting that someone who was fighting in Loudoun County was on a television show or maybe radio and was asked, you know, why don't you run for school board? And they said, oh, no, I'm, I got my kids. I got them busy and all that. And the, the interviewer said, wait, you're just the right the kind of person that needs to be in there. And And here's the problem. Normal people, we're coming full circle here. Normal people don't want the scrutiny, the attention, the hate, the vitriol of the fake news. They don't want the social media nastiness. They don't want the actual threats to them. Imagine if you're someone who uh, who organized or just attended the January 6th events, and you're suddenly now going to find yourself with legal bills and all kinds of other things. So the, the reality is that we have got to find ways to build confidence in each other to get moving, to get acting, whatever that is. Whether it's running for office, there's lots of people that are stepping up, but not enough. Whether it's supporting candidates. And here's the real thing. Here's what, what, here's what I would say is the danger, another part of this. The left doesn't stop planning. The left has for five years, in fact, someone corrected me and said it's more like seven years, that Eric Holder and the organizers of the effort to control redistricting started at the end of the Obama administration. So five years ago, six years ago, and they've been working at it the whole time with tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. George Soros announced he's putting $125 million into the 2022 elections. And on our side, we say, well, you know, maybe we'll get to it. You know, maybe we'll get to it. Maybe we'll get to this. Maybe we'll get to that. We have to see more people, find more people, figure out how together to be aggressive and be uh, on offense and to find ways to challenge uh, people to get going. Now, here's an example, by the way. Why is it that GoFundMe has such a hammerlock on uh, giving? And I know that there's uh, other alternatives and some of them have popped up and they're a little bit, they're okay. But GoFundMe, I mean, they've done this before. They've manipulated people before. Why is there not an alternative? Isn't it, isn't it possible that a, say, a, a conservative bank or just a banker who has conservative leanings and wants to, even say it differently, a banker who wants to make money and is willing to cater to conservatives, there's got to be 30 million people who would get a conservative banker's or a conservative credit card, isn't there? And why isn't that being done by conservatives? Why are we sitting around and letting all of these different entities? And, you know, you see it on social media a little bit. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. I've been impressed with Rumble. Uh, I haven't been impressed as impressed with some of the social media. Um, you know, parlor sort of faded and it feels like cause some of the others have faded. Um, and we're all sort of waiting for Trump on his uh, his big idea. We'll see the Trump media company. But we've got to figure out a way for more people to see and model the uh, confidence, the the uh, the uh, 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 action on offense, 
And going full circle, it's a form, inaction is a form of self-censorship. Do you see what I'm saying? Inaction, inaction in the face of what's happening is a form of self-censorship because people are saying to themselves, it's not worth the trouble to do something. I just don't want the trouble. Now, here's the thing. I've often had people tell me, you know, judgment when you use your judgment about something, that's you have to, you know, you have to um, weigh the risks, right, and the benefits. And this is what we want sane people to do. We want to teach our children to do it and all that. But when the culture around us is putting us in a position, an artificial position of either fear or higher cost, so that inaction becomes self censorship, it's a problem, a major problem, and that's where we are. And so, you know, we go back to it. What do you do to break your way out of it? First of all, you have to find people, like-minded people, and it won't be 8,000 people in an arena. It'll be eight people in your hometown, or it'll be six people in your workplace, or it'll be 11 people in your university or school. You, you, you know, you, maybe it'll expand into hundreds and, and thousands, maybe. But for now, what you need is solidarity with a few people who will say, you're on the right track. We're there for you. We'll stick with you. And you get that group. You build that group. You sink your roots in. You understand who you are and what you're about. And then you take the risks. And you certainly weigh the costs. But right now, the inaction of so many Americans because of the power of big tech and big media and big government. And I'm not saying we're against minor powers. We're against big powers. But the inaction is self-censorship, and, and it is costing us the country, actually. It's costing us the country. It's, it, it's, you, you can say, well, I'm, I'm working with my family, I got my kids, I got my life, I got my business and all that. But around you, the world is crumbling. Our nation is crumbling. And so we've got to figure out a way to break out of it. I, I, I don't have all the answers, to be honest. But I do know when you hear wise people like my friend Joe Johnston talk about it, and he's, you know, he's got a few years on me, so he's been around, but he's also impeccably educated at all the really you know, fine institutions that actually formed him and made him, you know, uh, uh, you know I'd say, uh, educated and then he's wise. When he challenges me on this question, it makes me think we've got to identify. Part of it is just saying it out loud. We got a problem. We have a crisis of leadership. We, all of us, by the way, me too. You too. It's not skipping us. So identify the problem. Inaction is a form of self-censorship. Now, what are we going to do about it? That's our challenge. All right, we got to take a break right now. We'll come back. That's what you need to know. Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, you've heard me talk about some of the ways that people can fight back uh, when they are put in a position where uh, maybe I would say this way, they're taken advantage of or they're disadvantaged. Uh, One of the groups that does that extraordinarily well is the Center for Individual Rights, CIR-USA.org. And they just are out there in the fight there. You know, the late Phyllis Schlafly, for whom I work, used to say, 
that uh, you can tell a lot about uh, the fights people will take and who they're uh, afraid of and not afraid of by who they take on. Uh, see, uh, the, the Center for Individual Rights takes on whoever violates rights. And of course, it's a nonprofit public interest law firm. So they're looking for ways, as they say, that to, to defend individual liberties. This used to be what the ACLU might have done back in the day. Um, and uh, CIR, you know, it focuses in, especially on the aggressive and unchecked authority of federal and state governments. So uh, first of all, let me welcome Terry Peel, uh, excuse me, Terry Pell, who is the president of CIR. Uh, welcome, sir. How are you? Tell me, is your work at the center maybe as busy as it's ever been? I mean, it, it feels like it could be in this uh, modern moment. Yeah, starting about two years ago, we started getting inquiries basically two or three a week from people, individuals, yeah. who fired, lost their job, punished because of things they said that were politically concerned, politically uh, incorrect. Hmm. Uh, there's a total double standard operating right now. Certain views are in favor uh, and get a pass. Other views are out of favor and people get fired for expressing those views. And we're, we defend the individuals who are illegally punished for expressing a point of view. Uh, again, we're talking with Terry Pell, and you should go over to CIR-USA.org and check him out. Terry Pell himself has got a PhD from Notre Dame, I think. He's a lawyer, uh, worked in and out of government in a big firm, uh, lots of experience, because this is a fight. It's a sophisticated fight if you're going to stand up uh, for folks. You know, it's not just, um, hey, let me write a letter. You know, you got to know how this game works. I, years ago, I worked with uh, Clint Bolick over at IJ, the Institute for Justice, when he was pushing the school choice stuff, and I, I really learned that the public, and there's a lot of public interest law firms that says how to say carefully they spin their wheels um, and don't get as much done. I think the Center for Individual Rights is different than that. So let, let's move on to, uh, and Terry, I'll, I'll stay with you for a second to to talk about setting this up. Uh, there's a, a man named Greg Crable who's with us on the, on the, on the show, we'll talk in a moment, um, who was basically pushed out of his work couple years ago, though, now almost three years ago, because of his personal viewpoints, um, not his work performance. So, Terry, tell me, how does something like this come to you, this case? How do you evaluate it? And where then specifically is this case before we talk to Greg? Well, the first thing is we look for fighters. We look for people who understand that this what's what's happened to them is not right. And they're willing to fight over it. And in this case, uh, what happened was outrageous. I mean, Greg had permission to be uh, doing an off-work podcast. He told his boss in advance that it was he was going to be talking about some controversial things. The boss gave him permission for this, no problem. And then a single disgruntled employee uh, went through the podcast and used some of the things he said to get him fired. And unfortunately, as Greg will explain in this case, his employer caved despite the promises the employer had, had made to him. So this, this is the kind of case we look for where there's a clear wrong that we can redress in the courts, uh, and, and, and we go to bat in these cases until we get victory. Well, and I'll come back. I will come back, uh, Terry, to you on this because I want to ask you a little bit more about um, sometimes the positioning. But let's talk to Greg Crable. And, and, and Greg himself is the uh, a business, uh, guy, businessman, worked in business, had a serious job. So, Greg, walk us through what happened in this situation, what you experienced, and sort of where you are today. Sure, Ed. Well, thanks for having me on the show. You bet. I think this story will really resonate with your readers because I or your listeners because I think a lot of them are living in fear of this precisely this sort of thing happening. What happened was, as Terry mentioned, despite the explicit promises of my boss and the president of the company that what I said and did on my own time and social media and a podcast wherever was my own business, I was fired for expressing mainstream political opinions on my podcast. So what happened was, as Terry mentioned. 
somebody found some of these podcasts, listened to two of them, one on diversity and one on hate crimes, took what I said out of context, made it sound like I was some horrible person, stirred up a bunch of people against me, and the, the company caved and fired me because of it. And what's, what's really going on here, it's a little scary, is that employers are being conscripted to promote divisive one-sided political views by telling employees what they can and can't say on their own time. Greg, excuse me, Greg, um, when you say you warned them, it's one thing if you go out and you say, you know, show up on TV and let's say you work for a solar panel company and you go up on TV and you say, you know what, solar panels don't work. It's a it's a, a jive. But you actually had a quality relationship with your employer and, and your colleagues and you said, hey, this is what I'm doing. That This is where I mean, you know, by the way, it's totally amazing, isn't it? We're talking about this after the Joe Rogan uh, story, which obviously is more <laughs> more high profile than you, Greg. But but I mean. When you actually, when everybody's aware of it, did did was it just the fear of the administ of of the company that didn't want to deal with the the one disgruntled employee? Was it did the, did the pressure come from outside? What what was the dynamic? Yeah, so those are great questions, Ed. So first of all, let me clarify one thing. If I worked for a solar panel company and I went out and said bad things about solar panels, well, that would be a different thing. This what I said had absolutely nothing to do with Brightkey's business. Um, so that, that's the first distinction. Right, the, second thing, right. the second thing is that uh, what happened was this one disgruntled employee sent an email to the whole company, except for me, a bit of a coward there, I think, right. and uh, got all these people angry at, by misrepresenting what I said, making it seem like I was some racist, bigot, homophobe, all the standard lines. Right. And then about 20 people walked off the job out into the parking lot and said, we're not coming back to work unless uh, I get fired. Now, imagine if this was a situation where like a Klansman riled up a bunch of racists and said, we're not going to go back to work unless you fire the black guy. Well, huh. the, the company would be obligated to stand up against that and say, no, sorry, what he's, you know, being a black guy is not a problem. And in exactly the same way, me expressing my own political views is not a problem. That's protected speech. We're not in 1984. We're not in North Korea. Americans should not live in fear of being able to say their own opinions on their own time uh, well, we're talking with uh, greg crable and uh and and we're talking about his experience um being fired i mean and and and, and i'll come back around to you greg and and i want to make sure to ask you about how you're doing like you know you get fired and, and yeah okay you got a lawsuit and and yeah that may turn out to be something but you know you had a job and you had a meaningful employee but i want to go over uh for a second uh, to terry uh, pell who is uh, runs the uh, a center for individual rights um the nonprofit uh public interest law firm that takes up these cases and is and is in this case is helping Greg uh, litigate this. But but Greg, you get even from, um, you know, conservative slash libertarians, this pushback, at least you used to. I think they're changing their mind a little bit because they're seeing uh, many of them because they're seeing how dramatic the, the power of um, of government is. But a lot of them are libertarian leaning and they say, well, you know, it's a private business. They can do what they want if they don't like the negativity that's up to them. And I guess, um, you know, it's one thing when you see the government's hand in. Right. When you see when you see Jen Psaki at the at the podium and she she says Spotify needs to do something. You can make a pretty good uh, causal, you know, hey, that she's doing something. She's pressuring when a company does this because they're chicken, because they're fearful. Where where is the action? Where's the cause? Where's the protection? And how do you get there? And, and walk us through, Terry, how you say to someone you do have rights. You don't just have to, you know, curse the fates. 
Well, in the particular uh, jurisdiction where Greg's business is located, uh, it's illegal for private employers to discriminate against employees based solely on their political political views. So um, that's the law we're relying on. And uh, in this particular case, we have an additional law in that um, the individual who attacked Greg accused him of white supremacy and said that the comments that he made were an expression of white supremacy. So part of the reason Greg was fired was because of his race. What the employee was saying is white people can't say these things. So we have a a race discrimination claim as well. Hmm. But to answer your your question about private employers, yes, we we do not, uh, you know, we do not willingly or often go after private employers because they're not covered by the First Amendment. Right. And as far as we're concerned, uh, private employers and employees have a right to negotiate and contract with each other and form agreements without interference from CIR or the courts or the government right. or anybody else. In this case, the employer did have an agreement with Greg, and it did that agreement did permit Greg to have his podcast. And in this case, somebody from the outside came in and, uh, you know, used these uh, high pressure tactics to get Greg fired uh, and and forced the employer to fire Greg in in order to further this sort of, you know, outside political agenda. And that's where we draw the line when uh, political actors use private employers as pawns in order to force an ideological agenda down the throats of uh, ordinary workers, uh, you know, who want, just want to talk in their own time, uh, that's where, you know, we, we, we will step in and we will defend the rights of these individuals. It, in this case, it's not the normal uh, yeah, right. employer and employee. It's an outside agency uh, trying to force the employer to do something that the employer doesn't want to do. Yeah. Uh, again, we're talking into the website. I want to make sure to say it again. The Center for Individual Rights, uh, extraordinary group, uh, CIR-USA.org. Uh, if you look at their, uh, the people that work there are very impressive. Their board, very impressive. A case impressive. So people should check that out. CIR-USA.org. Um, it's, uh, it is interesting, though, because, you know, I, I, my, my listeners hear me go on and on about, Terry, about, I call it the narrative machine. You have big government uh, and big uh, media and big tech, excuse me, big tech and big media. And then they get big government to do their heavy lifting for them. And, and you know, that when they're doing that, you got big government and you, you, you guys know that you're like, hey, that's you know, you can't use government against we the people. But in this case, it's a it's a different one. I, and, I, and I think it's um, but I think it's valuable. It, it, you said at the very beginning, Terry, um, about you look for fighters. One of the things I'm just obsessed with is that so many people feel the way we're feeling in this conversation, but they either cannot or don't know how to act and to actually fight back. They, they want to, and there's this sort of um, inertia, uh, lack of momentum, the inertia, you know, a body at rest stays at rest or a mass at rest stays at rest, whatever it is. I forget my physics from the kid, but, uh, uh, but you know, and we're all stuck. And so, you know, it's amazing to see when somebody fights back, how exciting it is. So over to you, Greg. Uh, again, we're talking with Greg Crable, who went through this, uh, a businessman hired uh, within his total success of his work, a high level job, bonuses and fired because he uh, you know, had an opinion off work hours that some of his colleagues is, didn't like. Where are you now, Greg? What are you you know, what are you doing? How do you recover from this? It's been a couple of years. How do you look forward? What's your mindset on 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 all this happening and your future? Yeah, well, it's a good question. One of the things that's very difficult to apply for a job 
when yeah. you know people you know people are going to ask you what happened in your previous job and now you're going to get into this whole ugly mess about what happened with me and Breakkey. So that that was very difficult and really impacted my career substantially. And what I ended up doing was going back to some companies that I've worked with in the past and know, and I'm working as a consultant now, helping mostly publishers deal with marketing and publishing technology issues. I still haven't replaced the income that I had when I was at Brightkey, uh, but I'm working on it and trying to build my business. And right now I'm not working for anybody but myself. So there's nobody who can fire me. <laughs> well, I, are you married? Because if you have a wife, then that you, can, you can find yourself outvoted. I find this all the time, but my listeners know all about that. Well, I, look, I, I encourage you and, and back, Terry, for a second. What's the best resolution? Sometimes the companies or their insurance carriers come out and say, hey, I, we'll just pay you to go away. Uh, sometimes they litigate, you know, you guys, I know you don't mind. You like litigating, you like fighting, uh, you, you know, you fighters look for fighters. What's the best case scenario for, for Greg? And then what's the best case scenario for the rest of us going forward? How these, how things look? Well, we have two goals here. We want to show that there are laws that protect against this and individuals can fight to, uh, gain the protection of those laws so that they don't have to take this when it happens. So, there's a range of uh, possibly, you know, very good outcomes here. Uh, it's possible that the employer will decide to litigate this to the bitter end, in which case, uh, you know, we'll set a legal precedent and we'll have a written opinion that uh, anybody can look at and will hmm. serve as, a, you know, testament to the fact that the law does protect individuals against this kind of blatant political discrimination. Uh, there are all kinds of other outcomes along the way the employer could agree to settle the case and, uh, you know, uh, so we'll just have to see what happens. We're at the very beginning stages here, and uh, we don't write, you know, we don't know now how this will play out. But I'm confident that we have a strong case, and uh, in the end, we will prevail. Well, again, it's uh, uh, CIR dot, excuse me, CIR-USA.org, the Center for Individual Rights. Uh, I'm there on your active cases page, and you can see a description of uh, Crable versus Brightkey, Inc., the case we're talking about. Uh, Greg, I'm, I'm sorry for uh, you going through this. I, it sounds like your energy and your mindset is good, but it's, uh, as you point out, when the lights go off and everybody moves on, um, you're standing there trying to put things together. And so I encourage you and, uh, and keep us updated. If we can help you, we'd love to do it. I appreciate it. Ed. Thank you very much for having us on the show. Uh, you're welcome. And thank you, Terry, for coming on and for all the good work at the Center for Individual Rights. Uh, we appreciate it. I will take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. And don't forget, I'll put this all up on social media as well as over at ProAmericaReport.com, uh, these interviews and uh, lots more details there. We'll take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report and visiting with my old friend, Ted Malik. Uh, Dr. Ted Malik, of course, is a frequent contributor at American Greatness and author himself of many books and a great, a keen observer of politics. Welcome back, Ted. How are you? I'm good, Ed. Thanks. Well, and this is an interesting piece you have over at American Greatness on CNN. And, you know, a lot of people are, are dancing on the grave of Jeff Zucker and uh, talking and, and um, uh, Chris Cuomo and uh, Chris Wallace has said he moved over to CNN Plus or whatever it is. And it's not as good as he thought it was, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I thought the important uh, piece part of this was 
what's the future, right? I mean, if if fake news for five years has been transforming America, and I'd argue it has, what's the future? And and that's what I think is important about your piece, CNN, the future of fake news. Um, you know, it, it, can we expect something to change or are we in, in a race to the bottom and bottomed out already? Well, a good set of questions. I, I would argue, yes, <laughs> at least in the case of CNN, there are other equally bad networks. But in the case of CNN, we have reached the bottom. It has bottomed out and uh, with the removal of uh, Mother Zucker. And we'll see a, a, a string of other quote unquote talent use that word loosely at CNN. Uh, we'll see a, a gradual change and shift. Of course, it, it uh, is being sold as a network. So uh, AT&T has taken my advice and the advice of other analysts and said this is a drag on our earnings. We need to get back to our core business. So we're going to jettison this uh, dog of a network. They're selling it to Discovery Network, which I think is otherwise, you know, a decent, not really a news kind of orientation. So we'll see how it fits into their plan. I don't think that you'll see it continue in the same vein that it has. I jokingly said at the end of this um, piece, I say jokingly, uh, that if that doesn't work out, they could always sell it to Trump and he could turn it into Trump News Network. <laughs> well, and and half kidding, at a certain point, it, it, it really has uh, dramatically lost its value in the sense of, it, 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 well, let me say this. If you count viewers, it's gone down 90%. <clears throat> If you're actually looking at it as a as a, a fake news outlet, it's probably doing what it's doing because it still has credibility on the left in the world. I mean, you tell me that, Ted. I mean, your your observations as a, a world a leader, a, a businessman throughout the world. CNN is still uh, the, the one channel that's on in most foreign hotels, right? Well, they, they, they had a monopolistic relationship with certain hotel chains and airports, but they even lost the contract with the airports. So you don't have to suffer any longer in those airport lounges watching CNN as if anyone did anymore now that we all have smartphones. But, um, yeah, no, uh, CNN is down for the count if, if you want to use wrestling or boxing analogies. Uh, so I, I think it has to reappear, uh, you know, in, in some other kind of form shape. I found that rather sad because in my piece, I related how I worked for one year with Ted Turner to create something of great value when the network was uh, in a fledgling stage. And it really was a global news network. It was um, it was journalistically sound and it had reporters around the world. That has not been the case for some decades. Is um, so is the future uh, these big networks is as you pointed out everybody's on their phones i mean and maybe maybe more broadly ted again you're an observer of both media as well as uh politics and and business you know president trump is supposedly starting his own social media or media mm-hmm. outlet is it do you are we going to be in for you know 17 or 18 or 100 different outlets uh, rebel news and uh you know you and i both know the gateway pundit well gets a lot of traffic and no dominant voice or will there be these dominant voices How do you think it'll play out? Well, there is a distinction between uh, you know, social media uh, and broadcast news. So the question, uh, and I think uh, in terms of uh, uh, social media, yeah, there is a proliferation of voices. I mean, some are larger than others. A few dominate over others. Um, so I think that will continue and you'll find more and more streaming on those networks. 
In terms of broadcast news, I, I think they're going to go on. Uh, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, <laughs> depends on what stock you, you presently hold. But I think <laughs> I think they're going to go the way of what um, we used to call the afternoon newspaper, right? Which frankly doesn't exist much anymore because there are only a few newspapers left, and nobody wants to advertise the newspapers anymore. So those are. Um, kind of sad places to be. Uh, I, I think that if you look at viewership, I mean, I mean, genocide games being one example, you know, nobody wants to watch this stuff. Right, right. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's the, and that's the, the uh, but, but wouldn't you agree, Ted, that you take a look at in your piece in American Greatness, again, we're talking with Ted Malik, and uh, last week it ran on, on your, 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 um, your, your questioning by the Mueller investigation. I mean, the power of the media to drive the narrative, it's never been stronger, right? No, the, the, well, media has a very, media matters, if you use <laughs> the term of a leftist group. Um, yeah, so, you know, the, the presence of these social media, particularly, is, is very dominant in our lives. The FANG, I think, has come to control us more and more as we go to mobile devices. So it is frightening. Uh, I, w- I would like to suggest that people put some of that down read some alternative materials, maybe read a book for a change. <laughs> it is a re- I mean, my radical idea for the day, read a book. Next yeah. Week. Yeah. It's uh that is, that is radical. Uh, what, what does Ted Turner think of all of CNN at this point? He's long gone, right? I mean, he's counting his money. You know, he's 84 years old. He has severe dementia. You know, he's, he's, oh, Oh, I didn't know that part of it. I mean, I, I meant he's, he's not, not no, he's not really accessible anymore. I, I, I I don't say facetiously said that he's turning over in his grave. He's not yet in his grave though. So I I think he'd be unpleased. And of course, Lou Dobbs, who I worked with at at CNN, I think is laughing out loud. I can hear his belly laugh right now. (laughs) It it is. uh, It is. uh, Yeah. You have to wonder. I mean, uh, now uh, any, any, you know, again, you're a keen observer of business as Mm -hmm. well as of, uh, of media and politics. The, the owners of CNN say, uh, I guess it's one of the Comcast shareholders. Is it Malone who's going to own, have the influence? Yeah, says, yeah, Malone is on that board. He's going to own a share of it. And he's he's a pretty serious player. He's a big, heavy hitter. So I don't think he'll put up a lot of nonsense. So, I, you know, they might back off of their uh, diatribe and become try to become more news-like. But they've lost their audience. And that's a very, very hard thing to regain. I mean, their right. audience, even in the last four years, was largely as a result of their you know, they helped to create Trump on the one hand, but then they, you know, also spend all their hours uh, on broadcasts denouncing and decrying and trying to unseat him. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and they, they certainly they certainly made uh, money off of him, obviously, and they made, and they made share, uh, viewers off of him. I asked my question was on this is Malone has said, well, we're going to go back to a uh, more serious station. And I, I guess my point uh, is yours. I, I don't think you can sort of put that genie back in the bottle at this point. I think, you know, you're going to have your share. One last question, though, Ted. Um, these all these cable outlets are dominated now by certain advertisers, right? I mean, you watch CNN or Fox; it's pharma all the time. And how does that? How does that? That's that's. I mean, again, you you know, you had you you've had dominant players in the in an in advertising industry before. Not like this, though. 
Yeah, no, when you when you watch these networks, in the in the case of CNN, there are very few advertisers left. So yeah. they're basically advertising themselves, which is really not a winner. <laughs> uh, in, in the case of some other networks, I mean, it's basically selling pillows and, and uh, uh, homeopathic drug solutions, occasionally pharmaceuticals. So there is a, there is a limited um, advertising base that wants to be, you know, a, around these uh, decreasing audiences. Yeah. I would like to say, though, Ed, that um, in, <clears throat> I thought about this this morning. You know, I wrote this piece, The, month, the, the Left's Money Bag, on George Soros a week ago. I would like to use your show to announce that I'd like to challenge George Soros to a debate <laughs> at the Oxford Political Union, where I do have my contacts, having been a f- former faculty member. I would like to debate him on his form of capitalism, which is vulture capitalism, versus my form of capitalism, which is virtuous capitalism. So if any of his minions are out there listening, you can contact Ed Martin, and we'll be glad to set up that debate. I like that. That's good. We and that would be that. I actually that topic right there. You're exactly right. This is one of the things that I think this moment needs is more education because Soros stands there and says, as you point out, well, I'm just a capitalist, as people do, and it's uh, it is nonsense. All right, uh, Ted Malik, I got to run again. The piece is over at uh, AmericanGreatness.com. Uh, we will put it up there. Thanks, Ted, as always. Good. Uh, the future CNN, the future of fake news, AmericanGreatness.com, the great Ted Malik. We'll have him on again soon. That's a great idea. Challenging uh, Soros. We, <laughs> I'll see if we can publicize that and see if we can pick that fight. We will take a break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The 39-point margin by which President Donald Trump won West Virginia in 2020 has doomed President Biden's agenda. A state that Bill Clinton carried 25 years ago has swung completely to the Republican side. The Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia first won his seat in a special election by campaigning hard against Barack Obama's anti-coal agenda in 2010. Manchin's up for re-election in 2024, and there's no Democratic presidential candidate who will help him win with rural voters. Without a big city Democratic machine to deliver votes, West Virginia's elections can't be stolen as they are in other states. There's no Chicago, Philadelphia, Detroit, or Atlanta in the Mountain State, after all. Election results are tallied quickly after residents cast legitimate ballots. National Democrats have tried to embarrass Senator Manchin, but it's only backfired. He observed that some of the tactics used by the White House staff against him have been absolutely inexcusable. The true embarrassment is by liberals who vowed to enact bad legislation that's been stopped by Joe Manchin. West Virginia isn't the only area of the country moving to the right. Rural regions, including the southern parts of Illinois and New Jersey, have swung sharply pro-Trump. Big cities are what have kept these states in the Democrat column, while mostly rural West Virginia is free of the dominance by machine and media-driven politics. Joe Manchin's rural constituency has influenced his views on everything from child care to energy. Taxpayer-funded child care amounts to taking from the rural poor and giving their money to wealthier people in the cities, where fewer parents raise their own kids, after all. In rural West Virginia, most parents raise their own children, so massive child care tax credits would further redistribute wealth from Joe Manchin's constituents to others. The left has an obvious problem with rural voters and their representatives in Washington, D.C. The deplorable label 
did no favor for Hillary Clinton in 2016, and it will do no better for the left today or in the elections in 2022 or even in 2024. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You'll be glad to know the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly continues, upheld by Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Chairman Helen Marie Taylor, Treasurer John Schlafly, a full staff in St. Louis in our nation's capital, and thousands of citizen volunteers, her eagles, across the country. You can be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we got some things we got to cover. Uh, we just have a minute or two, but here's one thing I need to push you on. Uh, do you know, do you realize that there are a whole bunch of uh, primaries, Republican primaries all across the country, uh, including over in Texas on March 1st, just March 1st, just a few weeks away. So what you need to do, you know, if you're in a, if your state, my, where I live now is Virginia, uh, the primary is not until June, uh, my old home state, Missouri, it's not until August. Uh, so a lot of people are c- complacent. There's places where your help can matter. Texas is one of them. And a lot of times the fight is the primary. Whoever wins the primary is going to be the congressman, going to be the, uh, attorney general, going to be the, even senator. So we've got to get into the fight in those states where, Things are moving, and so my my what you need to do here is look up and see where there's uh, opportunities to contribute, either your resources if you've got some treasure you can handle you send send to a candidate or as likely volunteer hours nowadays even the smallest I had a state senate campaign um, last year who was doing phone banks in a way that you could do it from your home so he had his brother in law and sister in law who were out of state who were doing phone calls so you can sign up and help in lots of ways you can say help magnify message so Texas has a primary look them all up get involved what you need to do is don't wait for your primary only if you have time and interest Get involved. All right. Speaking of things to do, let me say thank you to our great uh, Noah Dingley, our producer, our associate producer, Joanna Spilger in St. Louis, for all their great help. And we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.